Times Like Now is an interview program. Interviews with interesting people that are doing cool stuff, and you can find past episodes wherever you get your programs. My name is Trevor Collins, and on today's episode, I'm speaking with Susan Bladholm. Susan is president and founder of Frog Ferry, a pilot program to bring a ferry boat system to the Willamette River of Portland and the Vancouver, Washington area on this episode of Times Like Now. Hello, Susan. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you for having me here today, Trevor. So you are the uh, spearhead, the president, the founder of Frog Ferry. I am. (laughs) How did you get into this? Um, First of all, I'm very excited about the project, about the boat idea. When did you start this? And are you what can you tell me about when did this all kick off for you and how? Well, you know, I think it was probably about five years ago. I've, I've been a, um, a student pilot flying in the region and I would fly out of Aurora airport and up and over the Willamette and Columbia rivers. And I had been um, with the port of Portland for 10 years. And so I know a bit about what goes on with our river systems and I'd look down and see the operations there and see these wide open rivers and wonder why aren't we using our river system for transit, particularly flying and just visiting places like Seattle and San Francisco and Vancouver, BC. And so it was actually about four and a half years ago. I finally, uh, upon landing, called a colleague of mine, uh, Mary Shaver and Mary's family is Shaver Tugboat and Marine, and she and I had been on our board together years ago, and I said, Mary, you're the smartest maritime person I know. Why don't we have a ferry system here? I was just curious, and she said, my dad and I have often wondered that, and I'm going to introduce you to a couple people for you to to talk with to learn more about the river systems, And, and that just set me on a course of hundreds of meetings with Portlanders and ferry experts really around the world. And so I never intended to start this. I was just, I was just curious. And I've been in transportation infrastructure and economic development for almost 35 years now. And here we are today. (laughs) So yes, catch, catch us up. Where are we today uh, with the current um, progress? Are you, are you green light? Are you go? Uh, well, we're continuing, continuing to move ahead. It's not as simple as a, a green light um, answer. So to try to make this just really easy to follow, um, the overall project we've divided into three phases. So phase one has been a lot of the research and the planning, the studies, the, the governance, setting up our board, getting our nonprofit status. So that was 2017 through 2020. So we've done all that. We've done all the studies. We've raised the funds for that. We've got our nonprofit status. We've got an amazing board. And we have nine different volunteer committees. Phase two, where we're squarely at the beginning of right now, is to research, plan, fund, and operate a pilot project, which is really a proof of concept. So it's getting a boat out on the water Um, between two points and learning from that, learning how much energy it takes. Um, We know the travel time already because we've run it at 22 knots several times in a pilot boat, but how do passengers respond to it? You know, what is the the price point um, limitations on that? 
And then uh, that's really 2021 through 2024. And then from 2025 on is building out an operation where we're adding a vessel and or a dock year after year, tapping into federal funds that are out there every year. We've got different, you know, ferry operations around the country that tap into that funding. And that's how they've grown their, their operations in San Francisco, Seattle, Boston, New York, um, and so forth. So, um, so those are the, the three different phases. And so for the pilot project, our big first big milestone was to get a public agency to sponsor our application to the federal government for funding. And the city of Portland agreed to do that. And we just got that application in the first week in October. So we'll learn whether or not we get that funding by the end of December. We do have our pro forma completed. We've got the project plan completed. And within that project plan, there are five sub plans embedded within that. And then our next um, deliverable is an operations plan. So embedded in that is a safety plan, the RFP for a vessel, the RFP for an operator. So there's always lots to do. Um, so yeah, we, we're getting lots of green lights, little intermittent green lights along the way, but um, that funding um, is obviously the biggest, um, I guess, indicator for us, biggest variable for us. Yes, I'm based here in, in Bellingham and in Skagit area of Washington State. So I've taken ferry to, say, Anacortes or out to to the San Juans and down to um, uh, Port Angeles, Port Townsend, that area. The the boat system up here has been operating so successfully for so long. And I'm a Portland native myself, so I have also thought the way you have, like, why is this river not being being used in this way? Because I've visited places like, I don't know, say Amsterdam, uh, where the boats are, you know, it's a, as as regular and as frequent as a taxi. Well, exactly. I mean, we're of like mind. And I was in Bellingham two weeks ago um, at All-American um, Marine there and climbing on some of their new builds. We were at um, Maverick at their um, boat yard uh, also two weeks ago there in Laconer. So you got some of the best and brightest minds in the ferry business uh, right here in the Pacific Northwest and in your backyard. Um, Paul Broder is executive director for King County Ferries. He's joining our board. He's been an amazing, amazing mentor to me. Um, I just invaluable. I can't say enough about him. And then John Sainsbury is our ferry consultant, and he's up there based out of the Seattle area as well. So there are actually about five individuals in Seattle that going back four years ago when I first started going up to Seattle and just saying, hey, you don't know me, but I've been referred to you. I understand that you're a leader in the ferry space and I'm trying to learn more. Um, and so we've really leaned on that expertise from you know, your, your hometown and your backyard right there um, to quickly help us get up to speed here for Portland because we don't have a culture of ferries here. And in fact, a hundred years ago, when the ferry service between Portland and Vancouver, Washington stopped was the, was the same month when they opened up the I-5 bridge. So we're playing a lot of catch up. 
Sure, that is uh, that is part of what they call progress, and uh, and now a hundred years later, hopefully, we're going backwards in time to a a simpler and uh, honestly, clearly more efficient uh, way of travel. Uh, tell me a little bit about the proposed, let's say, first uh, arm of this of this ferry system. Where to? Where from? How long? Some of those deets. Sure. So in the, the Portland area, um, we have a, our most beautiful bridge, I think, is the St. John's Bridge. And at the base of the St. John's Bridge is Cathedral Park. And it's absolutely a gem for the city of Portland. It's just stunningly gorgeous, right on, right on the Willamette River. And there are three docks there. And um, one of the docks there, it's the middle dock, is... Um, alongside a boat ramp. And that's the dock that we would like to extend with what's called a flexi float. So it's a, a little, it's a 10 by 40 foot dock that floats. It doesn't impinge on the riverbed. Um, and that we could use that for, for boarding and loading. Um, specifically looking at commuters coming out of the St. John's neighborhood and Cathedral Park neighborhood that are right there in that area. Um, that's located, those communities are located less than seven miles to the Portland downtown core and transit is over an hour right now. And then on the other side of that is uh, on the southwest side of Portland, it's called the River Place Dock. And it's adjacent to a beautiful marina. Um, River Place is a great destination for a lot of walkers. They've got a lot of mixed use development there with shops and restaurants and um, a number of condos in the area. And it's located half a mile from OHSU. And OHSU is one of the region's largest employers. Um, there are about 20,000 employees there. And so we connect two existing docks. The dock at River Place, we really don't think we'd have to do any um, upgrades to. So we're really trying to minimize the amount of capital that's needed um, and minimize the need for infrastructure. That said, we'll need a vessel for it. And, um, you know, when I got my the start on this, a number of us went out to look at available boats that perhaps we could just retrofit for our purposes. And, and the Willamette poses its own set of challenges. We've got really low bridge clearances, particularly under the steel bridge, particularly under high water. The Willamette River is unusual in that it has a pretty broad um, tide fluctuation over the course of the year of about 26 feet, which is considered a lot um, in comparison with other rivers. Um, we've got low wake and no wake zones out there, and we've got a lot of river debris. So we will need to uh, design engineer our own vessel. We do have a preliminary design that's out on our website. It's called a very low air draft to ensure that we can clear the bridges they're probably five to seven days of the year we'd need to ask to raise the lower deck of the steel bridge, which is a rail bridge. So we wouldn't be impeding any car traffic behind it. And we'd be operating in the morning, um, really on the hour, leaving the Cathedral Park dock beginning at five in the morning through 10 in the morning um, and, and returning. We want to make sure we're tapping into employees that are there at OHSU um, and even students coming and going from like Portland State and other people just making their commute um, to the the downtown core as well. 
um, and to be operating with at least um, 50% loads. And this vessel will have room for 70 passengers and about 12 bicycles. There will be a restroom on board, a captain, and probably two crew members. And we plan to have a little concession area on there. Um, and I guess the last question most people ask us is about the propulsion system. We, our vision is to run a fully electrified fleet. Um, right now, we, it's going to take a little time to get shoreside charging infrastructure in. And we are in conversations with our local utility company. Um, we definitely don't want to be running traditional diesel. And so we will be running on R99 or renewable diesel, which is considered 80% cleaner than traditional diesel. And then once we've got the shoreside charging infrastructure, we'll basically pull out that um, um, power um, block and then we'll drop in the electrified propulsion system. I see. Now, um, how many stops do you think might be between the bridge there at uh, St. John's and what is basically that's right close to OMSI river place. It is, it is. It's yeah. right across from there. So the other stops are kind of variable. We're really focused on just doing the um, commute between cathedral park and river place really, really well. That said, looking at Saturdays, for instance, and we know OMSI, which is our, um, Oregon Marine Science um, Science and Industry. Um, it's a great destination for families and particularly for kids. And they do have a great dock there. And they've got the Blueback Submarine there as well. And so we could see adding that in on Saturdays. There's some jazz, music, art festivals at different docks up and down the, the river, um, particularly in the summer. And after we have most of the river debris from the high waters in the spring have passed by. Milwaukee has a dock out there. Um, Vancouver has a, a great dock there. And their Esther Shore Park has so many different activities that take place, um, particularly on the weekends up there at that beautiful new waterfront in Washington. Um, so we could be calling on, on different docks, you know, as, as, time and the schedule permits. But our focus is really going to be to do that commute between those two locations really, really well. I see. So more of a, a just a, a direct, a direct to and from uh, taxi or I don't know, something similar to that, but, but big plans for the future. And, and that's exciting. There is so much potential in the waterways around that area. It reminds me as you were discussing that, uh, Something similar to a Bay Area rapid transit, the the BART system of San Francisco. So many stops along the way. The riverways between Vancouver and downtown, a lot of potential for growth. Very exciting. Well, it really is. And when you talk about other transit modes, um, you know, a ferry is a great connector for other transit. And so because we do have you know, this wonderful um, confluence of two rivers and it's why Vancouver and Portland are located where they are. Um, you do though have the challenge of having the rivers as an obstacle in between. And so um, just looking at other ferry operations around the world, the ferry can help connect then between other bus and light rail lines, the Portland streetcar, 
um, scooters, bicycles, um, kiss and ride where loved ones are dropping someone off for a ride and, and doing some carpooling. So it's just an addition, an additional connector and kind of piece of the puzzle to really build out a comprehensive, a really rich um, transit system for our community. Yes, uh, another great piece of a of a very functioning city. Um, I'm looking forward to it. There's some issue about the the cost of this. Now, you said this is all going to be funded by federal funds, as well as maybe some of your donors. Is that the extent of it? Well, that's that's not really a complete um, a way to look at it. The uh, the federal government. Their grants, not totally, but mostly pay for infrastructure. So the really, really big costs for transportation largely is infrastructure. And particularly for traditional transit, when you're looking at buses or light rail lines, you know, just think of all of the buildings that have to be displaced for that and all of the equipment, infrastructure and planning that goes in for that land side. We don't have to do that for the ferry. We're basically putting a bus on the water and building out bus stops, which are the docks. So there's just far less um, time and money that goes into the infrastructure for a ferry project. I mean, even the, the ferry itself is fairly binary. Where we come up with the specs, we know how much time it takes for the design, engineering, and the build of a ferry. So that's a pretty finite. So it's much, much simpler that way. And then on the, the other side of the equation is the operation. So having a crew, have a crew charges and fuel are your largest two variables for operations on it. And the feds largely don't pay for that. So for most transit, it is someone is paying a fare, a ticket. And for us in Portland, before COVID, that fare um, covered 16% of the actual cost of operation. So 84% subsidy. And then the rest was subsidized. So for our pro forma and the work we've done, and I am not a pie in the sky kind of person. I'm, I'm a fiscal conservative. So we want to be really, really careful this way. We don't, we don't have a big public agency behind us. There's no safety net financially on this. So when we look at the fair structure on this, um, for a total of building out a total operation of 10 different stops, probably the average ticket price is going to be about $5. So as you're even looking at the Puget Sound region, you know, we're really paying attention to other comparable fares and also looking at cost of living for it. For this pilot project, we're looking at $3 per fare, and then it will be $1.50 for an, what we call an honored citizen and then free for kids. So we know our cost per seat for the operation is about five fifty to six dollars per seat. So you know, right there, for people that are paying the full fare, we still know we've we've got to make up the other three dollars on that fare. The total cost for per seat to operate is six dollars, and a fare is three dollars. Who and how is going to cover that? 
And so we are hoping to go after some ARPA funding from the state. That's the American Rescue Plan Act from the state of Oregon. Um, we have several corporate sponsor requests that are out now, and we've got about another five that we need to make here in the next couple of months. Um, and we've, we've got a, a couple other foundations and, and grants kind of up our sleeve on that as well. So our total, the total amount we need to raise for three years of the pilot project, one year of project management, which is really getting everything in place, getting the boat built, getting the operator RFP out and operating for two years is 9.7 million. Our request to the, to the federal government, the federal transportation administration is 2.7 of it to, um, enter into a lease agreement for the vessel, some of the enhancements, signage for the, the docks, lighting, um, putting that flexi float out there, doing some design engineer planning for Salmon Street, which is a, a proposed dock for the future. Um, and, and just overall kind of the, the design engineering of it. And then that a remaining amount is, you know, the, the 7 million we need to come up with. So we have lots of irons in the fire. <laughs> yes, you do. The, the corporate sponsorship was the first thing that came to mind to me. It was seemed like there's gotta be a company out there that would want to put their logos and their brand on, on your project here. It has such, I was going to say legs, but that's not appropriate. Such fins <laughs> for the future. Uh, it seems like maybe uh, there's a large coffee company there in town that has a, whaling and boating past if you know who i'm speaking of maybe <laughs> they'd want to put their their uh anyway anyway i'm I'm just being silly congratulations yeah. i'm really glad to hear the success and that is not a high price to pay for one person for uh is, now would that be just in thinking would that be a day trip would that be like you can you know to and from for five dollars or is that one way that's that's one way right now. However, if you're a regular commuter, then we'll have a monthly pass on that. Sure, sure. That only makes sense, just like a bus pass. Right, exactly. So that's what we're talking about now. And, um, and we just really, really want to make sure the service is accessible to everyone and affordable to everyone. So... Uh, the ticket price is a core part of that. And then Heather Lynn is leading our customer experience team and she's doing a lot of work and outreach for access. So if it's at a price point to if you are blind and, um, and you have special needs for accessing the vessel that we're providing really good communications, um, for you. And we, when we were up in Bellingham and LaConnor, we were also, we spent a couple of days in Seattle and riding the ferries and, and seeing some of the wayfinding by Braille that they have there, um, looking at the wheelchair accommodation there. So when you talk about making it accessible to everyone, there's a lot of different ways that you can define access, right? And overall, we are just really focused on providing a sense of belonging for people to come to the ferry and say, hey, this is in my community and, and this is part of who we are as Portlanders and that everyone has the opportunity to ride and enjoy the ferry. 
Yeah, I, th- I can bet that you're going to need a second and a third boat very quickly because many people in the area have never been on the river in any way. And some of the views along the Willamette are are spectacular, especially on that portion of the river, maybe even out towards Oregon City. You would have yourself a, a group of people that would just want to spend the day riding back and forth to see the river and appreciate the river. Well, exactly. And, you know, ferries are, you know, always a favorite option um, for tourism. And, and we know that. We know that traditionally for river cities with ferries um, in the summer months, that business increases by 30 to 50 percent because of visitors going out. And and um, so our operational plan is for up to seven vessels. And if, if people are really interested, especially any of your listeners who are engineers, they seem to really like um, looking through the operational feasibility study. And that's located under the research tab at frogferry.com. And so when you talk about adding a second or third boat, you're exactly right. You know, that's, that's kind of the trick is you have to start someplace with one vessel and learn from it and then adding that second, third. And people often say, why seven vessels? And and by and large, it's really based on the frequency of the schedule is kind of a key driving factor of it. But it's really spelled out in all of its complexity there in that operational feasibility study. And from there, we can scale beyond seven vessels, but you kind of have to plant a stake in the ground. And um, those seven vessels would serve a total of 10 different stops from Vancouver, Washington, all the way down to Oregon City. Spectacular. That's very exciting. Susan, what are some of the next plans or steps that you're taking, let's say, in the early next year or whatever your time frame is? What's next? Yeah. Um, and I've got this big project plan spreadsheet right here in my office I can refer to. Um, so funding really is key for us right now. And, and so as I've just talked about a lot of that outreach, but um, the ticketing program for the pilot project. That's something in 2022 that we'll be um, really attacking. We do have our ticketing sponsor has actually came to us. Um, I'm not um, able to say which um, ticketing company it is, but they're very well regarded. They do ticketing for a number of ferry services nationally. And they came to us and said, hey, we want to be a pro bono sponsor for your pilot project. So we'll be meeting with them, working with them on building that out, the marketing of this and communications. I mean, we've always kind of led by community outreach um, for this program anyway, but now to really change it from a grassroots effort of kind of project management planning and a lot of research to an operator is something we'll really be focused on. And then getting to the operation itself in 2022, we'll be very focused on getting an RFP drafted and sent out to boat builders. And usually it's a bigger agency coming in and saying, hey, we want you to build us a boat. We're going to buy it. For us, we're so small that we're asking for a builder as a partner to come in, design, build, lease to sell it to us to give us a little bit more runway on the funding side of things. So that's unusual. Um, You know, we're a nonprofit. We're not your traditional client, you know, that comes in to run a service like this. Um, And then also the RFP for the operator. Um, We don't have 
um, uh, an ecosystem here where we have a lot of people that have been captains of ferry services or have been deck hands. And so we'll be hiring an operator. Obviously, we're going to be heavily involved with that. We really want to be hiring as many locals as possible. And I have heard from some retired captains that are retired here in the, the Portland, Vancouver metropolitan area. And so we love, love, love to hire here locally. But um, there's just so much um, kind of rigor behind the regulate, regulatory side of the operation that at least to start, we need to hire an operator that really knows what they're doing. So those sure. are really areas of focus for next year. Yeah, sounds like you are going to be busy, Susan. What is the website? The website is frogferry.com. Easy enough. Susan Bladholm, uh, founder and president there of the Frog Ferry, coming soon to a river near you in Portland, Oregon. I really do appreciate your time today on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Trevor. Past episodes of the program can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to the letter J, Cody Robertson, for original music. My name is Trevor Collins, and I can be reached trevor at timeslikenow.com. I look forward to speaking with you all next time.